bad news, you know, and it's like, man, it's just like, oh, um, and it's, it just bones me out sometimes. It's like, I mean, which one would you rather hear first? If you got to hear good or bad, you know, I have good news, bad news. It's like, oh, give me the bad news first so I can like end off with the good news at least, you know. But either way, it's like, man, you're still going to hear some bad news. But um, as we open up into Romans chapter 3 tonight, um, we, we, we do get to hear some good news tonight. And I know every time we open up the Word of God, it is the good news. But man, oh man, if you've been with us for the last couple of weeks, um, <clears throat> man, we, we, we've been covering a series of guilty verdicts. <laughs> Um, I was talking to somebody that was here last week and she goes, man, I walked out going, man, you know, she just felt like horrible, you know, because of the, you know, how rotten she is. And I said, but, but, but hold on, time out, time out. You've already declared yourself guilty before the God, before the God. So you're, you're okay. I said, there's good news tonight, you know, <laughs> but, but again, just in the last few weeks, Paul has been making this case. And and there's been guilty verdict after guilty verdict that he's he's making as as he's building this case that that man oh man it, everybody is guilty before the Lord and and not one person is 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 innocent and again when, I don't think anybody when they are standing before a judge or a court of law or however it's 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 played out and. And you hear the the guilty verdict, you know. I don't think that that person goes, woohoo, I'm guilty. Even if they deserve to be whatever, even if they were guilty, they're like, ah, oh, I wanted it to go the other way, you know. Because again, we we're just not crazy about being guilty or or stuff like that. And so again, Paul has been making the case that not one person can prove themselves innocent, not one. And in his closing argument last week, it seemed like, he, he, he just kind of reiterated as he was closing up, as, as he was in chapter 3, or as we were in chapter 3, where, where, where he talked about from verse 9, he says, But then, or what then? Are we better than they? Not at all, he says. For we have previously charged both Jew and Gentile, or Greek, that they are all under sin, every one of them. And, and he proceeds to say, man, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have all together become unprofitable, spoiled, useless. <laughs> there is none who does good, no, not one. <laughs> and it's like, I think he's kind of covered it. You know, how many? None, <laughs> but no, none. You know, it's like, don't even, don't even attempt, you know, and, and, and he, and he kind of gave, gave us from head to toe a picture of, of, he, he proceeds on. He says, their throats are like open tombs and their tongues, they, they practice deceit and their, the, the poison of asps are under their lips. Their mouths are full of cursings and bitterness, their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their way. And the way of peace they have not known. There is none who fears God before their eyes. You know, from head to toe, man, not one seeks after God. And man, all they want is destruction and they do destruction and stuff. 
And so again, he's just building that case and he finally kind of finishes off 19 and 20 by saying, now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth, every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh shall be justified in his sight. But by the law is the knowledge of sin. And so I I am excited in a sense that we're kind of done with that portion because we're getting to verse 21. I'm excited to share what what verse 21 to the end of the chapter has has to say. Because here he, as he's finishing off, he says, man, there is no one who is justified. And, and, and capture that word justified or justification or just even, you know, that we're going to be covering tonight because there's several words. And, and I want to give you some words to kind of catch on to because we're going to look at righteousness. We're going to look at grace and, and again, justified. Um, there's There's... Redemption, propitiation, forbearance, um, these kinds of words that, again, you know, they might sound really big and, and, and it's like I have no clue what And I'm going to try to do some justice here of explaining some of these words, but they are vital for us as Christians to understand. Because I hope that every one of you who are, who's in here tonight, if you've been here for the last few weeks or caught some of it, that you went out of here going, yes, I am guilty. Because if you even today are, are thinking, well, I'm not that bad. It's like, dude, you're not going to be able to stand before the judge and say, I'm not that bad, God. I'm really not that bad. I'm not as bad as that other guy that you just judged. I'm not, I'm not that bad. And, and so you, you, if you haven't gotten to the point of understanding your guilt then again, you're, 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 you're deceiving yourself because he has just told us there's none righteous and you're not the one. You're not the exception. You are not the exception. I don't care if you're nice and all every day. You are still a sinner and you are under the guilt of sin. And so we cannot justify ourselves <laughs> before God because he will play the tape back and say, look at all this. And it's like, it, it, it's almost like, like if, if, if God says, let's, let's bring up Zeke's sin, it's like, uh, yeah, we ain't got enough room in this place here. You know, we keep it way locked up in this big old bin back there in the warehouse. And it's like, none of us would be able, it's like, well, here, here's my sin. It's like, no, every one of us. Can you imagine if they brought up on the screen every one of your sins on Judgment Day? And it's like, the credits would go on forever and ever. It seems like, when is this going to finish? But see, when you already declare yourself and say, I am guilty, Lord, and you come before the cross, it's like, there's a clean slate. It's like, hey, bring up this, the, the sins of Zeke after, after Christ. It's like, none. None. And that is amazing. <laughs> that is the good news. Because, again, this is what we get to look at even tonight. So verse 21, he says, But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, 
even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate that at the present time His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No. But by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Verse 29. Or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes of the Gentiles also, since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. Going back to verse 21, it's interesting because as he has been building this case and doing all of this and saying all of this and, and bringing man to a place of being guilty before, before God and nobody can stand in his righteousness, he had just finished saying, no flesh will be justified in his sight. And then he says this, but now, but now, all of a sudden now he's going to give us the, 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 the sharp contrast of what he has just previously said in these last few chapters from chapter 1 verse 17 or 18 all the way to verse 20 of chapter 3. Then he says, but then. But now, he says, but now. The righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. This righteousness that that in verse 17, back here, when he says, for it is the righteousness of God, for the, in it the righteousness of God is revealed by faith, or from faith to faith, the gospel which brought the righteousness of God to, who, who shared it with us, he says, now it is all by faith, from faith to faith. This righteousness has been revealed. And here he says, now this righteousness apart from the law, it's been totally done away from the law, is now revealed, is now made plain. And it's interesting because he says it's been made plain and he brings in some witnesses to make it that it's been plain. It's been said before, it's not new. He brings in these witnesses, which is the law and the prophets. And the law is always, when you put the law and the prophets together, it's talking about the OT. It's talking about the Old Testament complete. The law referring to the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, which, which 
Abraham kind of represents, as we see in the next chapter, that he was justified, not because of his works, but because he believed. And it was prior, before the law even. But then he mentions the prophets, which would be the, the rest of the books. And David is mentioned in the next chapter that we'll see next week, that David is, 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 is talked about when, uh, in Psalm 32, where it says, Blessed is he whose transgressions is, is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man in, to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Again, he received this, this righteousness by faith. It was apart from the law. See, David even understood that under the law he was guilty. But he received this righteousness in chapter 32 of Psalm by faith alone. And so did Abraham. Because Abraham believed the Lord and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And so he says, okay, apart from the law, we have witnesses, the law and the prophets, that this is nothing new. Even the righteousness of God, it says in verse 22, through faith. See, this is, this is the crux of the difference of the law and, and, and now. It's through faith. Those who believe. Anyone who believes can, can receive this righteousness that is in Christ. And he says, to all and in all or on all. Anyone who believes is able now, apart from the law, to receive the righteousness of God. And it's interesting because he says at the end of verse 22, for there is no difference. He, he, he's, he, he's not making, a, you know, making it partial to these guys or these guys. And again, I'm sure the Jews who were listening to this were probably thinking, wait, 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 wait. Don't we have a special like, connection with God here? And he's saying, no, it's not, it's not like that anymore. Apart from the law, because it was given to you, apart from the law, everybody, because everybody is guilty, <laughs> because everybody is guilty, now everybody has the opportunity to receive salvation. It's not only to the Jew. It's not partial to the Jew anymore. It's apart from the law. That's kind of done away with. It makes no difference. And so, verse 23 it says, for all have sinned and have fall short and fall short of the glory of God. Everyone, and it, again, it's almost a reminder of the fact that, okay, so we're all sinners. Zeke, you keep on saying that. No, Paul kept on saying that. We're all sinners. But it, it, it's almost giving us a, an opportunity to say, well, because we're all sinners, we all have the opportunity to be saved <laughs> because of that. It's open to all. But this, this portion that, that says fall short, it, it, in, in the tense it's saying you continue to fall short. You continue to fall short. All have sinned and you continue to fall short of the glory of God. And the glory of God is, is His splendor of, of who He is inward. It's shown outward and God wants us to, con, to receive that kind of splendor that He has for us but we continue to sin and we keep on falling short. And we can never reach that righteousness on our own. And it's almost like 
Like if we decided as a group to take a little road trip and we all went to San Pedro and, and it's a clear day and we can see you know, Catalina Island off in the distance and I decide, I come up with a bright idea and say, hey, how about if we try to jump to that island? I know it's 26 miles, but let's just try. Let's just try to make it from here to there and, and you know what, I'll go first. And I take a nice running, you know, jump and I get to the edge and I just jump, man. And I probably, you know, two feet, you know, I mean, it's not much, you know. I won't get too far, but man, I, I made it two feet. And some of you who are more agile, like Rick back there or something like that, he'd probably like, and do that whole like, and get like seven feet or whoever and, and run over here because he's tall and lanky and the surfer, he's probably going, man, I do this all the time. And he can probably reach 15 feet and all of us are, are there. But you know what? Every one of us falls short. And even though he could say, man, I won all you guys, like, Rick, or run, you still fell short. So what? See, every one of us fall short. We cannot make it on our own. It is, it is impossible to reach the glory of God because we continue to fall short day in and day out. And so again, it's almost like, okay, I thought it was going to be a positive thing. It's like, no, again, it's just a reminder, guys, we can never, ever reach that on our own. We need help. We cannot make it. And so as he reminds us that we fall short of the splendor of God, this glory of God, he says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. This word justified, guys, it's it's a it's a, a, a a legal term that would be used in a in a courtroom where the judge himself would would declare the believer, the justified believer, uh, as having nothing laid to his charge. He does, he, he's, he's not making them righteous. He's declaring them righteous. There is there is no sin whatsoever. The judge himself has said, there is nothing laid to his charge. And yet you can be standing there going, but I know that I'm as guilty as sin because I fall short all the time. But faith in Christ, which brings about that righteousness of God, because of Jesus Christ and because of him only, then you can stand righteous before God, being justified. And, and, and again, we've heard it time and time again. That word sounds just kind of like it's, you know, if you like, just if I had never sinned. We sing that song. I've been justified just as if I had never sinned. And isn't that incredible? And that's one of those words that you have to quite, you have to accept and receive because it's a one-time deal that God does that with. It gives us that justification in our lives. He, he justifies and he says, you are not guilty forever. You continue not to be guilty in my sight because he has justified you. See, it's different than sanctification. Sanctification is almost like a process. You have been sanctified, you are being sanctified, and you will be sanctified, which means that you are being set apart. It's a process. We are being sanctified day in and day out. Each, each day, 
I ha- well, there was a time where I was set apart. I am being set apart. And when I breathe my last, I will be totally set apart for God. I will be sanctified. But justification is a one-time deal. And this is where I, I think sometimes we, we like, well, I don't feel it. It's like it doesn't matter what you feel. If you have been justified by God, you are not guilty. Does that give you the right to go and, and continue to sin? No, absolutely not. But He has declared you not guilty. Now, this is where some people is like, well, what if they fall away? Then they probably weren't justified because again, you, you, it's like when you are justified, God doesn't like, made, He didn't make a mistake. And I think this is where we can grab onto and say, man, if I've been justified, I never want to go back because I've already been justified. It's a huge word <laughs> that we should understand because I want you to challenge your own life and, say, and, and even come to prayer with God and say, like, Lord, am I been, have I been justified or have I been playing this game? Have I, I've, I've, am, I not, am I guilty still before you? Because if you are, then you again have to come to the realization you need the righteousness of God and that's the only way that you can stand clean. Have you been justified? Because if you have, then walk like you have. <laughs> walk like you've been justified. Walk clean. And when you sin, you come back to the judge and he's like, oh no, yeah, you're continuing. It's a done deal. This justification is a free gift. The, the instrument for justification is grace. That's what he uses. He gives you grace. And grace is that unmerited favor from God that you do not deserve, but he gives it to you anyways. That it, it, it's grace that, 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 that is so abundant that you can never run out of. And again, grace is not, gives us, doesn't give us the... The, uh, the, the right to continue to sin. Say, well, I'm covered by grace. No, grace should continue to lead us to repentance. Because again, when you start realizing, guys, that you have been justified and it's a free gift by grace, we should be grateful continually. But if we play this game and say, oh yeah, I've been justified, but your life is the same, I would have to challenge, are you justified or not? I mean, I know it's not my place. It's the judge who does that. But man, oh man, you're walking as if you have never been justified in your life. And I think this is what should be setting us apart as believers day in and day out. That we have been justified by His grace through the redemption of Jesus Christ. See, that, that's the payment right there. The redemption. That, that word redemption, again, there's three different Hebrew or Greek words. I'm not going to go through them. But one of them means that you have just been bought as a slave from the slave market. You've been bought. And then the other word is similar to, to that one that you've been bought and taken home. And, and the, the redemption word, the, the, the third word that is used here for redemption is that you've been bought to be set free. You see, they paid the price so that you're set free. Not you, they, they, bought, they bought you to keep you. They bought you to set you free so that you're not 
under the bondage of sin anymore or, or under the law. And so you've been justified by grace through the redemption of Jesus Christ. He has bought you. You, you were ransomed by him. And again, it's, it, it should speak to our very core as Christians that, man, you are so special to him that he was willing to count you not guilty anymore. What Your, your account is, 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 is full of who he is now. Your, his righteousness is your, in your account, not your own righteousness, because you couldn't stand in it. And so he kind of put all his righteousness into your account and says, it's all yours. Man, what, what an amazing gift that, that he would redeem us, those who were full of, of sin. Because again, if, if we're going to stand in our own righteousness, if we still want to say, no, I think I'll, I'll skip all that and I'll stand before God, then you haven't a chance of standing because nobody's going to pay for your price. If you think that you can pay for your own price or be good enough, you're going to you're going to come up guilty every time. And I think this is where I, as Christians, even we we think like we have to continue to 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 get in His good graces. No, it's already paid for. It's already done. You don't have to do anything in that sense. But it's those kinds of things that we are already looking at. The, the justification, the righteousness, the grace, the redemption, the, that, that you should be falling on your knees going, Lord, what else can I do for you? You freed me. I want to serve you. See, that's what, that, that's what grace is all about, man. Just wanting to say, Lord, I want more of it. You've given it to me. I want more of it. I just want to bask in it. I want to be able to, to give you everything that I am because I deserve nothing and you've given it all to me. In verse 25 where he says, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood. That, that word propitiation is, is an interesting word in that the meaning of it as I was looking at one of the commentaries, it kind of spoke of the the uh, the mercy seat that sat on the cov- uh, on the ark of the covenant. That mercy seat is where the blood was sprinkled onto, and that's where where, where God dwelt, and 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 it covered the sin for another year. See, Jesus is has become that blood. He is that blood. He shed his blood and it was sprinkled upon this mercy seat and we were shown mercy, but he has become our propitiation. He has paid that price. He has become the price. He he has... the, the, The word would be he has satisfied the penalty. He has become that propitiation. He has satisfied the penalty by his blood. God, God required blood. And in the Old Testament, as, as, as we look here, there was a lot of forbearance in the Old Testament in that he covered a lot of the previous sins. But every year the priest had to come to the, to the mercy seat where the, the, to satisfy God once again with the blood right there on the mercy seat. And God sent Jesus and he was the satisfaction. 
God provided that satisfaction. The only thing that would satisfy was blood. And God said, I will provide that blood and it will be my son. And so it's huge because, again, he, 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 he didn't punish sin all the time in, in the sense that he, he was forbearance you know, of, of those previous sins. He covered it, but every year it had to be covered over and over again. It just kept on stacking up and stacking up. And finally, Jesus came as a propitiation for us. And he covered it. And that big stack of debt that we owed, he took care of it by his blood. And so he has become that propitiation that satisfied a God who required righteousness for his presence. And so righteousness came down and shed his blood so that we may become the righteousness of God. Whatever was on, in my account, all the sin, all the filth, Jesus said, I'll trade you. I will take your account. And whatever I had in my account, I will put in, in your account. And I will replace it that way. And so he has become that propitiation that now he has paid the price. He has satisfied the wrath of God. Because I deserve that. You deserve that. And so I, I have no desire in my life to stand up in my own righteousness because day in and day out I am reminded of my sin and see his blood continues to cover my sin and it's almost as if every day when God sees me he sees me through that mercy seat And he sees the blood that has been shed on the mercy seat, that propitiation. He sees me through that and he says, you're you're perfectly clean, Zeke. And so it drives me back to saying, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for every time I sin and I miss the mark. I'm sorry for every time I transgress and I sin on purpose. I, I, I'm sorry for my iniquities, the acts that I do to make me dirty because you have covered me. He demonstrated at this present time in verse 26. He demonstrates that even today he continues to be that propitiation for our sins so that in his timing, his righteousness may be upon me. Because he says that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Christ. There was a a payment that needed to be paid and a just God said, I need blood. And in order for God to be God who is just, He also became the justifier. He provided what was just, holy blood, His Son. It's not like He he just kind of, you know, like, oh, I will overlook your sin. No, He provided Because he is a just God. He says, I need a righteous person to die for mankind. And his son fit the bill. And so he is just. And he is the justifier because it was his his son who became the justifier as well. He's the one that says, not only do I drop the charges, I will pay your penalty for you. 
If a judge in a court of law decided, hey, I just want to drop all the charges because I want to be like God and, and you know, he forgives, so I forgive. It's like, no, if you really want to be like God, judge, then you pay my penalty <laughs> as well. See, that's what God did. He paid the penalty. So he's not only just, but he is the justifier of those who have faith. Guys, it, it's so it's difficult to understand, but it's easy in the sense that all, all we have to do is have faith to believe, to totally put our trust in continually upon him. And because of that, then we become and we stay clean in him. But it's only because we believe, we trust him, we adhere to him. See, that's, that's what's making the difference from what Paul was saying in the first, in the, the other chapters that we were covering when he was making the case. Those people were not identifying themselves with faith. They were identifying themselves with their works or their ignorance. And God says, no. If you want to go in that way, then I will judge you that way. But if you put your faith in in Christ, in Christ alone, then your judgment, everything that, that you're guilty of is paid. And so in verse 27, when he says, he, he's asking these questions that he assumed <laughs> that the Jews would be asking, then where is our boasting? Where, where is boasting then? He says, it's excluded. It, it is done away with. There is no boasting whatsoever. Can you imagine if, if, we, if we justified ourselves with our works and we were able to get into heaven? <laughs> How much boasting would be happening if I said, man, these are the things that got me to heaven. It would be a, a, a boast fest. <laughs> Everybody boasting. It wouldn't be heaven anymore because like, you get tired of everybody boasting. It's like, not that story again. It's like, no, this is how I made it. It's like, I'm tired of that story. But let me tell you my story. Because see, boasting sounds bad when somebody else is doing it. But when you're doing it, it doesn't sound all that bad. <laughs> but they're going like, stop already. Let me tell you my boast. <laughs> he says, where's the boasting? It's done away with. There is no boasting. There will be no boasting in heaven. Nobody will be able to say, oh, I got here because. It's like everybody will have the same answer. I got here because I trusted in Jesus Christ. Because I put my faith in Jesus Christ. Because the God himself declared me not guilty. That's the only way I'm here. It's, only, it, it, it's, it's almost like there's nothing to boast about. It says it's, it's excluded. But they, he asked the question, by, by what law, by what principle, basically? Of works? No, again, no. But by the law of faith, the principle of faith. It all goes back to the faith now. And this is what Paul will hammer home continually throughout this book. It's all about justification and faith. Then he says, therefore, we conclude that the man that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. That's the only way. A man is, is declared not guilty apart from any deeds. 
because he has no deeds to stand on. There's nothing. And my heart for you as believers is that you would come to the realization day in and day out that there is nothing that you can do to enter into his good graces. If you're a Christian already, then he has declared you not guilty. Walk in it. Have victory in it. Because again, when we begin to think, well, but all the things that happened in my past, it's like, why, why do you want to bring those up anymore? You've been, you've been declared not guilty. There, there, there is no, no sin, no guilt in, in that place. And it's a clean slate. And, and, and so Paul is saying, here's the conclusion, guys. You have a clean slate every day. Every day from here on out, there's a clean slate. And I know here's the problem because I, I struggle with it too. It's like, but I feel so dirty. <laughs> I commit so many sins every day. I feel like I'm starting at square one again. But 1 John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you. It's a continual kind of thing. There's that initial of being sanctified, but you are being sanctified day in and day out, guys. Every day, yes, we come and we're growing in, in, our gra- in the grace and knowledge of our Lord. I was talking to somebody who, today who, who is struggling in their faith. And their faith is weak. And it kind of bummed me out because I know that this person has been walking with the Lord for a long time. It's like, how can it be that weak? <laughs> how, how is it you don't quite comprehend? And, and as I'm looking at this, it's like, you, you're already clean. Whatever is going on in your life, whatever circumstances happen, whatever consequences is happening, it doesn't matter. Because in the end, it will, you, will, you are still saved. So why are you struggling? And I know it's easy for me to say because I, next week I might be in that same boat and you guys will be telling me, Zeke, why are you struggling? But we have to encourage one another, guys. No, stay strong. He's, he's already cleansed you. You're already righteous in His sight. You don't have to win Him over. You've already won Him over. <laughs> when you declared yourself guilty, He says, you're mine. There's no deed that you can do the law, it was done away with in that sense. It could only bring you to a certain point and then faith took over. The law had its purpose as it says in the end over here. You know, do we do away with it? Is it, is it null and void now? It's like, no, absolutely not. It served a purpose, but we continue to see that the law was good as Paul's going to say in chapter 7. The law was good. It showed me that I was a sinner. It has its purpose. It was a schoolmaster to bring me to a place where I say, from here on out, it's faith. No more works, faith. We do good works because of the grace that he has given us. But man, we can do all the good works in the world, but those things did not save us. It's pure grace. In verse 29, Or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. And I say amen to that. He is my God as well. Since there is one God. See, the, the, the Jews had this, this problem. It's like, he's my God. He's our God. My, mine, mine, mine. Nobody else can have him. And God says, you know, before I chose you, I was the God of everybody. <laughs> 
And I still love all those people, but I chose you to do a work in you to show my grace and my power. But he's, he's the God of the Gentiles as well. He's the God of the Gentiles. He says, since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith. The, the, it, he will circumcise, or you know, he, he, he will justify the circumcised by faith in the sense that it was germinated through, uh, through, um, hey, yes, Abraham. Because of Abraham and the uncircumcised through faith, which is the newly found faith that the Gentiles were now receiving by faith for the Gentiles or for the circumcised through faith, the uncircumcised. And so he says, as we finish here, do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. The law was established so that we could come to Christ. It was given... It, 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 the law was like this, the straight bar. This is what you're supposed to do. And we come along and we're like totally bent. And it just showed us like you can't be straight. You need Jesus. It is Jesus that's going to get you to heaven, not the law. Not trying to make it straight because you can't, you can't bend it enough to make it straight. And so the law was established to show us that it's a schoolmaster. It will bring you to a certain point and say you cannot keep it. But through Jesus, you will make it. You will be justified. I, I know we're a little early and I'm not going to ask Jim to come up yet. What I want to do in this time, I just want to have some prayer time out loud this time. <laughs> um, and hopefully... As a believer, you're, you're, you've understood a little bit more just the whole deal of what justification is. And, and let's just have this prayer time, almost as a Thanksgiving kind of time. What, what, what are you thankful for after hearing words like righteousness and justification and grace and redemption and, and propitiation? <laughs> Man, it should bring us to a place of just in awe of who He is. And so I just want to take some time to pray. You can turn off the lights and stuff. And, and if you're going to pray, pray a little loud. But I'm going to start praying. And then when I stop, if whoever wants to continue on, and then I'll call Jim up in a little bit and we'll finish off with a song. But let's just pray. Father, I just want to thank You right now, Lord. As we see, Lord, this portion of Scripture and the things that you have shown us through it, Lord. Father, the, the new, the good news that we have because of the faith that you've given to us, Lord, that we can have in Christ. It is because of that faith that we trust in you, that we believe in you, Lord, that we can stand righteous before you. And Lord, I am so grateful. So grateful, Lord God, that you chose me. That, Lord, that day that, that I committed my life to you, Lord, you declared me not guilty. Lord, I'm so grateful for that. And, Lord, throughout all the years, Lord God, the times that I've messed up, Lord God, you still looked at me as not guilty. 
And Lord, I know that there's been times where I just couldn't quite comprehend that, Lord. But even tonight, I just receive it, Lord. And I thank you that you allow me to be in your presence through Jesus Christ. I praise you.